0: You're listening to Red Nation Online.
1: The left corner. Jabinko with the ball into the box, but with the header. Back for Sebastian Jabinko here. This time chipped in back post. Toronto FC at level. Sebastian Jabinko floating the ball in.
0: Saturday, September 26, it's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from BMO Field and celebrating two in a row for TFC with a critical 3-2 win over the Chicago Fire. There's still signs of concern of how this team will compete against a more complete side in MLS, but with the playoffs in sight for the first time, getting points are all that matters. We go over the return of Gilberto, performance from Jovinko, and talk about records broken with the Italian DP and the GTA's own Kyle Lauren who set the rookie scoring record with Orlando this week. We're going over all that and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Do we need to make full disclosure of the arrival at the game today. <laughs> there'll be there'll be a slight gap in I'll our fall, analysis. I'll fall
1: on my sword. Yeah. Was, well, was, you,
0: you took the in quotes the better way. We all know <laughs> we all know that is not. Uh, but that's a well, mistake. As, many...
1: as I said to you when when the, we met up, as I said, I blame it on Toronto FC. Toronto for the bad public transit because I left an hour before the game and it took me an hour and thirty minutes to get to the game. And one of the reasons, the first reason I was late, was the FC part because. I was playing stupid DraftKings this morning you gotta wake up at 8:30 to set your team and i just randomly fell asleep halfway through i believe man united sunderland so i didn't wake up till noon and then and then the other thing was is i thought the game was at four i thought this was like your espn taylor twelman classic I didn't yeah know. yeah it was uh, we're the early guys we were the uh pre-game but <laughs> yeah well
0: i should say that maybe we'll start the game off with a sight and sound never done that before but as i'm waiting for you outside of game one you know, people are people are streaming in, you hear in the warm-ups, you're hearing the lineups, you hear the anthem, you hear oh Canada, you hear a whistle, and then I hear this <laughs> smattering of cheering. Now it wasn't like a stadium full of cheering, so I look up and I see in the top corner of the west of the east stand, the Chicago fans, all like thirty of them bouncing up and down. I'm like, why are they like the game hasn't even started and then I say, No, the game has started. <laughs> Chicago scored, like within the first thirty seconds,
1: it sounded like. Uh, and, lo and behold, yeah, it's yeah, Gilberto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if we didn't know who scored, we'd probably give it to Gilberto and we'd probably say, Perky made a mistake, did he? <laughs>
0: I'll, put, I'll put money on that.
1: <laughs> okay. I'll put money on that. Okay, we'll say we haven't seen the goal, so if that happens, then... Yeah,
0: yeah we did see the yeah, second we, one. We know
1: the team too well, but...
0: Yeah, that uh, there, there was must have been a clinical error somewhere <laughs> in possession, passing, or just uh, general fuck-up. But... Uh, I don't know if that's actually maybe one of the starting points we could get on this podcast before we actually roll in the game is that you know people were making a little discussion about it's the return of Gilberto to Toronto FC yeah and uh, I mean I don't know if I you say like what does that mean you know he's obviously with Chicago now Chicago's going through a terrible stretch Um, although you know for a second there today they didn't look as bad as the reform may suggest however you know, the question of Gilberto and whether he got a fair shake at Toronto FC and how he's doing currently at Chicago and, of course, what we saw today.
1: Yeah, I think I think when Gilberto first came to Toronto, it was Defoe's team and, and, and it was Bradley's team by that point. And so I think the issue was is how Gilberto's going to fit into this team. And as we saw, he couldn't fit into the team, right? And, and you know, and then the pandering or the marketing by TFC head brass and Tim Bezbachenko saying, oh, this player is like, Brazilian star and all this kind of stuff. And then you listen to experts like uh, Tim Vickery was saying, I don't know why he's on (laughs) your team and stuff like that. Now the irony is, is because his assets, you know, and this is what we did. We, we, I think we wrote an article when Gilberto came to Toronto and his assets when he was with Portuguesa in Brazil was kind of running on the long ball, having the ability to shoot the exceptional goal, but you wouldn't trust it. Like you don't think that's going to happen every time. And arguably you could say, um, you know, and I guess it worked out to our advantage, but part of this is TFC's uh, um, eagerness is that if it was Gilberto and Javinko opposed to Gilberto or Javinca, Javinco and Eltador, maybe Gilberto will fit better because he runs quicker and he runs more off the ball and he could have been a, a different, um, caused different trouble than Eltador. And Eltador he scored today and, and, you know, I think the signing of him has turned out to be positive. But, you know, when, especially when Gilberto, and now today, Bradley are dribbling the ball like madmen, <laughs> Altidore looks a little lost in the guy getting, you know, chased, you know, or, or passed in the rush. So, uh, maybe Gilberto would have worked well with Juvenko, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and the guy did. He scored 13 goals in brazil Serie A. I still think that's a league that's comparable to MLS, if not better than MLS. So, I don't think he is... You know, complete crap or anything like that I think he's uh you know what you get is what you get yeah and I
0: think part of it too is you know a handful of players to Toronto's history where it's either uh, you know the timing's not right yeah or it's the not not the right fit at that yeah, time
1: yeah. and I think Giberto, I mean you is a player who falls into that oh yeah, yeah. Um, well even it, going back it's funny because Vitti was one of the top scorers in Uruguay and, and Chile after he left yeah tfc and you're like this is
0: probably <laughs> yeah it, whereas like you know if he hadn't if he never played tron FC, people might look at him and say oh, oh there's yeah, a guy yeah. that's a talent <laughs> we should try to sign him but uh yeah with giberto it was kind of and the funny thing if i'm not mistaken i'm not mistaken you say it was actually he comes in it was defoe's team but they signed giberto before them
1: oh, did they? If, oh okay, if my okay, memory okay, if i'm okay, thinking okay, back okay, correctly yeah, i feel yeah. like the
0: first Big press conference was okay. a Gilberto one.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I remember trying to set up a formation for, and this was it was also the Rosario's team as well, right? Mm-hmm. And we were trying to set up a formation for the team, and arguably we didn't have a Giovinco character last year, so the team was kind of slow, and it was more going to be a possession build up with the yeah. Key we saw gaps sort yeah. of between the front line, and, and Gilberto didn't necessarily play that. We needed a. Ironically, we could probably use an Altador last year, a guy who can take. You know the opportunities and 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 finish them right. Where yep. Gilberto is a guy who again is going to run on the ball and going to play the counter, which is the only thing I guess Chicago can possibly do, and that's the best you know they offer, right? Yeah. But.
0: So if we if we touch on we that's a quite a little little backstory there <laughs> heading into where we've even touched on the match at hand. But of course, as we know, Toronto came into this game from last week a three one win, and I would also. Preface this game by at one point during the day, you know, the, this match was, was hanging in the balance for most of it till about the 80th minute. Mm. Um, but you sort of asked, you know, would you rather be sitting here, on your, <laughs> sitting on, you know, gripping your fists, you know, balling your hands into fists, or would you prefer last weekend? And I did think to myself, well, this weekend, the second half, much more enjoyable from a weather standpoint. Yeah. I would much rather be oh, sitting. Yeah.
1: Here. Oh, yeah, it was very nice. Today. You know,
0: obviously, if it was three to one in the first half with Jovinko playing like he did last week and it was like this i would have quite enjoyed that but i, I yeah be well, well
1: the reason i asked that is in my previous employment Um, I worked in soccer and worked in the betting industry and I basically knew that the game was over if a team's up two goals three goals in the first 20 minutes but because of my work was forced to stick around the whole game and basically try to stay awake right and so um, and, and to be honest with you I did watch I wasn't at the Colorado game but I did watch it on television and as I knew the final result was going to be I was coming in coming out because you know, it seemed, especially in the second half, it seemed Toronto was comfortable with the victory and weren't, you know, playing as hard, where today, I guess they played hard for 95 minutes because there was five minutes of extra time Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we sort of touched on, obviously, how this game started off with the uh, Gilberto goal. Uh, and then as we did get into watching this match and started seeing things happen, uh, I think, you know, you roll into what is the obvious discussion every week with Toronto FC, and that's, of course...
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Jovinco, and you know, it took a, it took a bit of time, I think, for Toronto to sort of, uh, you know, get the momentum in their favor. But when they did, you know, they started to look really good. And you can see it. It was, it's, you know, it's, it happened last week too. Like it wasn't much going on. And when Jovinco gets that first goal, Toronto's confidence just.
1: Well, I thought I thought it was even just a bit prior to that when it led to the first goal, but it happened just a minute or so before that was is Jovinko was pressuring Chicago's defense which you know is not the best <laughs> defense in the world and was able to get two corners out of plays that you shouldn't be able to get corners out of right and it's the second corner which was the one that led to the goal but just that in terms of the crowd and everyone being motivated and it seemed that Toronto had a shot because it seemed and you see this with a lot of the games until Dravinko's on the ball Trial always looks even against other teams. You're never quite sure, and then when Javinko's on the ball and capable of doing what he's capable of doing, and then you feel a sense of ease and a sense of confidence and a sense of yeah, we're we're Toronto FC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for all of a sudden, our chests are like a little bit bigger,
0: and we're kind of looking at each other and we like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We can yeah. dribble the ball and stop on the dive. Oh my god! You score a goal <laughs> on
0: the touchline. Uh, I mean, that's nice like, Toronto.
1: I've a nutshell, and it's like you. Th-
0: <laughs> I thought about you know what was uh, a couple podcasts back. I I made reference to a goal that he scored early in the year that I had sort of forgotten about was that FC Dallas game where there was the long, oh delay, yeah, 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 and he was you know dribbling along the touchline and then just scoops it over the keeper yeah, from yeah. an impossible angle, and it's just you've seen him do these little like cheeky chips, yeah. And that's sort of what this was here. And I think he was probably just going back post to uh, Osorio anyways. Sure, sure. And it sounds like in the stadium, I think we all f- were saying, it was clearly a Jovinko goal, but then we're hearing that. Yeah,
1: they might have given it to Osorio. And maybe by the
0: time this is live, it will have been back to Yeah, I, th- I think
1: the ball might have been on the line. But I think, you know, when they're doing official goals and stuff, I think they'll do take into account if the ball was going into the, the net anyway. And so I think, you know, certainly he deserved it, right? I, you know, I think his arrow is just there kind of thing. But and you don't know. You don't even know if he, was, if he was trying to cross or trying to shoot, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing with him is you can't. <laughs> Usually you can say if there's a fluke or a crazy goal like that, you can say, oh, the guy didn't mean it. But I think in Giovinco's case, I think he means most yeah, of everything. As, yeah,
0: most almost everything comes with intention. And, of course, as the, as he, the announcer for the game, of course, then said, I mean, here's another segue or a little sidebar to talk about that we do every week when we do, like, an MLS MVP watch. Uh, You know, he noted that if that goal was his, that's 20 goals and 10 assists. Yeah. yeah. No MLS player has done that?
1: I think it's the most collective points in the season. So, I think you add the goals and you add the assists, and then that's the most. I think he beat uh, probably Robbie Keane from, like, a year ago. Yeah.
0: Because historically... Wasn't Chris John? I think I saw his name mentioned. Yeah,
1: historically, MLS would have... Um, you know, before they went to the DP route, MLS would have players who could score goals and have players who could have assists, but they couldn't have players who could do both, right? And and Robbie Keane sort of changed that. And, you know, even in my preseason article, I said Jovinko potentially or is that player. I didn't think he was as good as... <laughs> I yeah. didn't think it was as easy as I thought. But but yeah, I think it's an accumulation of goals and assists, you know. Yeah, and, and it's, it's funny because
0: for so... I think we're not the only ones who've thought it, but... There's been like a prototype player that you know I've always felt that's really important in MLS, and that's like an Amado Guevara, that's mm-hmm. sort of a creative attacking midfielder who can get you ten goals and ten assists yeah. thereabouts. And yeah. then of course we have a guy who is yeah. like that yeah. on steroids <laughs> right. every day of the week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's absurd, and uh, you know you think about that wasn't his en- the end of his day. You know, and you look at the players that everyone's talking about, and I, you know, you follow the conversations on like MLS and it's interesting to see like, you do find sometimes there is a bit of a bias against Toronto FC or Canadian teams. Yeah, on that yeah, website. yeah. Well, it's
1: interesting, it's and you interesting. read it in the yeah.
0: comments, right? Yeah. Where yeah. even even the commenters from all over North America are saying this guy is he's it.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because in that sort of MVP watch, the new name that's kind of come up is Dex McCarty for. Um, New England Red or New, New York um, Red Bulls, right? And, uh, you know, it's basically a defensive midfield. Now, ironically, they lost to Orlando, Byron with the hat trick, but he scored, I think, twice. He might have scored twice. So maybe he got wind that he's, he's up for MVP now and has to prove it. But, you know, the, the one thing, and, you know, certainly this is a Toronto Seek podcast, but it's Vancouver. I don't think Vancouver has been given, even by myself, the respect that they probably deserve, or Morales, or yeah. guys like Zanane. And, you know, so they should be in the conversation. But, you know, and, and again, I think if if Canadian teams had dominated the league last five years, I think Canadian would get more respect. I think part of it is our history. And I think part of it is, is that MLS is the American League and they prefer to sell American-based players.
0: So obviously, you know, if we're walking through the match, it's at a 1-1 draw, but everyone, I mean, right after that goal, we saw another handful Chances yeah. uh, from Toronto FC, where it was all Jovinko again. He, you know, within the f- in the first half, he could have had three goals. Yeah, easy. You know, he was cutting through the defense. He was getting set up nicely, and then at the half, you know, that was when you posed me the the all important question: Would you rather this game be over <laughs> now, or would you rather keep going? For me, you know, I'm I, I'm not a uh, adverse to a little bit of drama. I, I like to see a team really get you know have to dig sometimes they earn their wins and i think a game like today you know oh, no, you, I, did say, to I did say i did say
1: that without what happened in the first minute of the second half right like i thought i thought we were in good control of the game right so mm-hmm. it was more of us playing with them than us in danger of losing the game or losing points but then the second half goes and our our friend Roberto pops <laughs> up again and I, it's like it's one of those goals
0: where as you watch it it's happening in slow motion like you yeah. are seeing you are seeing this just on un- unfold before and you you know what's going to happen next and it's just was it was obscene to see that just this parting yeah of yeah. space that they just allowed they stayed static and as gilberto ran off the ball perfect channel between the players yeah, and there was acre an
1: to mcgee to to gilberto, so gilberto, and yeah. there was t-
0: acres of space for him to run through although
1: i would say if we were doing a chicago podcast i think that'd be the most frustrating thing for a fire fan because i think that's that breaking ability and that ability on the ball that chicago has with the narco and a cam and they have failed to do it partly i I blame (laughs) yellow earlier in the season because i think he was strangling them a bit that's the thing right like i think that's chicago's thing and I think why teams have been able to beat Chicago this year is they've adapted to that system. And, and I think part of what Toronto's issue is, as I said, they just came out in the second half. And, you know, I think that certainly the um, awareness and speed and that, especially if Bradley's not choosing to play a defensive midfield role, I think there is going to be a hole there. And I think that, that the two things that worry me even in this game when watching Toronto see was that giving too much space on a counter or... Losing the ball on a defensive screw up and giving away a breakaway. And I think those are the two things that worry me the most when someone's challenging Toronto um, on the offense.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of what I was just trying to kind of touch on about. You know, there's sort of, you know, you're always, I always feel like with this team, you're of two minds in in a result like this. So the results they've been getting lately, like even last week against Colorado. It's it still is a slightly concerning that a team like Colorado can still be hanging in the game, yeah. and a team like Chicago has been so poor is still hanging around the game, and you and you just think that tr- you just feel that Toronto should be much more dominant, should be much more convincing.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. I mean it is what it
0: is. It's a broken record to talk about the defense. Well,
1: it's also it's also um, and this is what I did very much noticed in the last podcast I was on, which was with Kamal, and we're doing our special podcast they got destroyed by Kansas City where you have to learn to compensate if you're going to have certain players doing certain things so if you're going to have you know or Giovinco who's great cannot complain but he's not not a defensive asset in any way right so you're playing with 10 men already because he's not really necessarily going to play any defense you have Bradley who you know dribbles team but you haven't a 50 50 thing where you don't know if he's going to be a defensive reliability or if he's going to be more concerned with scoring the one thing that i found interesting and and, and sort of made you know when it was doing the back and the fourth in the first half was the defensive contribution altador was willing to give and he was playing more back and he was being the guy in the middle and i don't know if that's just his because he's played in DPL, because he's played with the US national team. It's like, he notices that, oh we're in trouble here and I gotta go and help out a bit and stuff like that. But he was the guy who I noticed actually contributing defensively, you know. I think he was trying to make up for some turnovers. Poss- possibly, <laughs> possibly. He be. had a few of those yeah, today.
0: Yeah. And I think people have been picking up on that. Uh, but you mentioned Bradley dribbling through an entire team. And that is, if we're going on the chronology of the timeline here, that is the next talking point, of course. Is Michael Bradley basically I think, Chicago, walked,
1: I think Chicago got note that he was an American international, and you can't stop him.
0: <laughs> that was a, I mean, that was <laughs> one where you're just like he's just gonna walk it into the net, like <laughs> that is that might be sort of the highlight on Chicago's defending right there. Yeah, saying, and
1: it, and it's unfortunate because it's one of those things that are gonna be on MLS soccer and gonna be on TFC on Facebook and stuff about a great goal where it actually shows the poorness of, of MLS defense and, and, you know, because one of the things is and one of the things that makes Jovinko so exciting and so accomplished is that players are trying against him. Like, I don't think they I think they realize who Javinko is, but they also know he's a little short guy. And if I use a body against him, I could get him off the ball and they're getting you know, embarrassed. Right. In the case of this goal, it was you know, if if uh, you know an EPL or La Liga or Serie A team was watching, they'd be like, "How oh, the hell does that even?" Yeah. <laughs> take place. Yeah. In what world right? can this happen? Well, I think we were. I think to be honest, we were the only ones probably not standing. That's that that like our be... own our own protest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, well, because we, we I, I just remember
0: watching, being like, "Well, there's a guy on his left, there's a guy on his right. No, he's not gonna <laughs> pass either. No, he's just gonna keep going. In Chicago's not doing anything. Okay, now he's kicked it in. It's <laughs> and it's deflected off in the net. And I'm just like that was." I, I think I looked at. I, what was my comment on that? It's was just like that was shit. I just said something like that. I was like that was a garbage goal. But you know, it's, I'm picking up on some keywords you're throwing out there because you mentioned the the battles with Jovinko, and it wasn't long after that goal that we saw him get, earn, earn a feisty yellow card.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, which I think was. Uh, not, I, don't, I don't know what's like if there's any you know. Well, I think I think, I think and
1: again you know it's a home crowd. It's our home team, so we're going to support Jovinko and stuff like that. I think. Because, you know, we have to, because Javinko has so much intelligence, is his player awareness. I think most of the fouls that the crowd gets upset with, I think, are arguably, I think, the referee in most cases is in the right decision. And I think the one we're talking about where the Chicago guy went into the board, I think. And he, Javinko he pulled knew, him into the board. <laughs> I think Javinko knew what was going on. He didn't right? go into the board. Javinko pulled him into the board. <laughs> so I don't think, you know, so I think, you know, and again, I think that that's the. You know, if you're if you're that much more aware of the game, you can take advantage of players in, in so many ways. And one of the ways you can take advantage, you know, we certainly see this in, in a league like League One Ontario where they have some semi professional players playing that league and their aggressiveness or awareness certainly allows them to take advantage in, in a number of ways, offense, defense, but also in the one on one situation. And then uh,
0: you know, with this we're sitting obviously at this point we're sitting at two two game is sort of hanging in the balance
1: but yeah i just realized all the three dp score <laughs> it was a dp <laughs> festival. yeah well if you if well, oh yeah if you give if you give gio Vinco if he gets that
0: first goal right then yeah, yeah which and I think has the, happened i this think year. the
1: last time we were on the podcast we it was a gp it was it, i forgot what game it was was it montreal it, yeah it might have been it was so a, i think it was, it was the montreal it was DP, game it was a dp festival yeah because josie
0: scored like a nice low strike from like around the eighteen. Bradley scored a goal, and, uh, yeah, as did jo- Jovinko. So, if if he gets that first goal, because, of course, he did get an... Like, I, I think they're going to give well, him an assist. Well, they gave him an
1: assist on the Bradley, even though he probably gave it to Bradley in oh, his own Oh, yeah, zone. you're right. And then they announced that this was the record. But Will they announce- give him
0: an assist off a corner kick?
1: Yeah, yeah, they would, yeah. It was a dead ball assist. So, yeah, he probably three assists or a goal and two assists. Yeah. So. Huh. Well,
0: yeah. there you go. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So, then we see this goal from Josie, who obviously is, uh, I mean...
1: Well, I think it's amazing. He's not a that shot I machine. think it's amazing that I think it's his eleventh goal. Is his yeah, eleventh on goal. One. And I think he has fourteen or fifteen shots on target and like forty shots overall. And the irony is, if this wasn't Giovinco, like it's interesting. We watched yesterday. Now, Lauren, you know, I watched yesterday the uh, New York Red Bulls Orlando game, and Lauren looked more active and Lauren looked more into it. And part being, you know, Kaká's partner and all this kind of stuff, but. You know, if it if we had another forward who scored 11 goals, you know, and did what Eltidor is doing, I don't think we would be as critical as we might be with Eltidor, right? And so, and, and that being said, if I'm in a playoff game and I have Lauren or Eltador with the final shot, penalty, whatever, I'd rather have Eltidor in that situation just because of experience, than I would have Lauren. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we're being overly critical of Eltidor, but ironically, especially, you know knock on wood hopefully if we have some success in the playoff Altador could be that become that key player that missing player or whatever yeah because I like the I guess the way that I think like that observation
0: between Lauren and Altador I think is is accurate because I think to myself I never feel like he's really a key part of the build-up like he's not really this key component to our attack is I mean he's, he's scored on penalties and he's sort of had this these goals that are in and around the six-yard box. He's had some nice ones running off the ball and, like, striking from distance. But not as – I mean, they've all been scattered like that, right? You can't, yeah, yeah. You can't sort of say that like – Oh, yeah, oh.
1: no, no, he hasn't been a dominating player. And and I think he would be um, – you know, I think if, if Toronto did not have Giovinco, I think it would be – I think he might have been a more prominent player, but at the same time, I think it would have been a more frustrated team because we would expect a lot more from him. And, and, yeah. And, thing. and I think he's allowed to be more quiet with the Javinko, Gervinco, what Javinko's been doing, and, and in some cases, what Bradley's been doing. But as I said, in terms of team evaluation and having guys that you can rely on, you know, I don't think there's a better, you know, more stronger finisher in, in the MLS yeah. than, than, than El Well, and
0: I think just to like close that off, where, Cause I'm like, I am trying to like, where does the criticism come from? And I think there's a couple areas where people probably have him. Like he's probably started off on the wrong foot, obviously, because he comes in as a TB, DP yeah. at a pretty staggering salary yeah, yeah. after he'd scored what two goals. Yeah. So I mean, that's not exactly the best way to sell a like, you know what I mean? To yeah, sell it, well, yeah, yeah, sell yeah. a DP yeah. signing. Yeah. On on, you just, you sell a DP signing usually. Um, on the league that they're from and how well they perform in it, and especially as a striker. You, yeah. you just a DP
1: striker, yeah. you sell them on their strike rate. Yeah. Um, so I think right yeah. off the hop. Well, just in comparison, Chicago, um, now they're paying a lot less per player than, than, than um, um, Toronto are playing for a cam, but counts as the same DP category. But Chicago now has Gilberto. A cam Kennedy who did not even play today. Yeah, who's in that. You know, I don't know. He's in that DP sort of circle. Yeah, and then Maloney, who they got rid of oh. because because uh, you know the Wigan guy, Shaw Maloney. Maloney, and he's, he's back in England, right? Yeah. So arguably they went DP crazy and brought in four or five DPS over the year, and none of them has you know turned their team to be any better than you know. I say th- I think ironically when the like DPs us last year. Well, there you go. All right, just keep so. trying,
0: guys. <laughs> <laughs> just keep trying. Here, so. here's lesson number one. When you go to those DP meetings, don't wear a tie.
1: <laughs> Bezvichenko <laughs> will tell you, do not wear a tie. Go, go big, and uh. don't wear a tie. It'll be interesting, you know, because I think one of the things is, you know, in the past when we've had podcasts and stuff like that, is we get to talk about the whole idea of the league, not just Toronto FC in general. And it and it does. Does, does Geovinkel set a new DP expectation? do like, you need the all everyday guy because you can't you know I know that um, um, you know one guy who I mentioned when I wrote an article on this and said who could be the next yearvincos ironically four of the guys I mentioned are now become remain stars and back in England and stuff like that like they've actually turned out to be okay yeah but the one was Abmanuel out of Bay out right who is that multiple talent crazy lunatic guy who will you know who's whose issue in um england is that he tries too hard and he tries takes over the game and maybe that's what we need like maybe that's what mls needs is is they need a guy who's going to take over a game not just a guy with slightly better skill sets than what mls can create on its own yeah
0: so obviously you know we got th- we get through this game and toronto fc locks it down uh exits at uh, a three to win a cr- uh, a critical is critical the right word you know i'm looking at these last I'm kind of looking at where Toronto sits this year compared to last year. You know, you're looking at the playoff picture, point totals, all that kind of stuff. I don't know how you can look at Colorado, Chicago, Philadelphia. With uh, the Red Bulls coming at home, that'll be tough. Yeah. And I think is it Columbus is the last one? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, especially these next three, they They're those are the ones you got to say, these got to be the wins.
1: Yeah, and I would say, like, um, you know, last game when they beat Colorado – certainly in toronto sports we're all talking about the blue jays and the blue jays finally making the playoffs and i think after last win tfc were closer to a playoff spot than the blue jays were and i think they had three points today um i don't know because orlando gained three points yesterday but montreal Montreal, oh, montreal won. won too right yeah, so so be- i don't think we're losing i don't think we've gained any but i think the playoff is almost a, a guarantee and prior to the season in my sort of prediction i had toronto fishing for and I still think that's a realistic sort of spot, and and you know I think that's kind of what we are. Yeah, and the I mean
0: we all know that the crazy thing is is that all like if which is you know it's boggling if, if, when you look at the way this season is gone, I mean I think it's doubtful, but a team like Toronto can go into the playoffs winning all their games from this point and become legitimate contenders and carry that wave. You know they can ride yeah, that yeah, wave yeah. all the way through.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what hey, can happen. And to be honest with you, I've seen. Um, you know, my issue in putting Toronto fourth at the beginning of the season, which has proven to be the case, is I don't think Toronto has as good a depth in the overall team as, say, New England or the Red Bulls or even Columbus, in my opinion. But, you know, when they're on, you know, it, Javinko's energy has been amazing, right? You know, he seems to be as active and as, as, as interested now as he was in, in, in uh, April. And you know, and I think some of the other players are looking good as well. You know, Finley is is turning into the player I think Toronto hope to get when they when they sign him. So if if the defense can, you know, be remain healthy and more, you know, and, and, and play better. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: I mean you're trying to cover. Just say it. Just say it. Um you know, if I you know if I do come up with maybe one slight criticism out of this game okay. is that it did there were points and I think we mentioned it where it felt like once we got in the final third, whoever had the ball there were looking for Jovinko. Whether he was yeah, one foot yeah, from them yeah. or six feet or at the other end, it was like, where is he? And there was points where um, I would like to see Jonathan Osorio be a little more selfish yeah. oh, and, and not Definitely look true. for him at times. And he did have one chance where he, you know he took a shot that got blocked, but there was points where I said to myself, and we've, we've sort of drawn that comparison through the year where you think that maybe like Giovinco might be rubbing off on him a bit where he feels like a little more confident yeah. in dribbling and doing some tricks and stuff like that. I would like to see him just taking 1v1s a little more seriously and seeing if he can, you know, create his chances rather yeah. than just sort of like pulling up and and just dumping it off to someone else. yeah
1: yeah no it'd be interesting to see how you know delgado in today's game was playing right back and i thought he was kind of tentative in the game compared to when he's been in a more an attacking midfield role and it almost seems as as if you know maybe we don't we're not with the team and i don't know how the training goes but maybe it becomes one-on-one training where they say to Document all his, his moves and say, "Hey man, you're blocking Giovinco here. You're blocking Giovinco here. Get out of there! Get out, yeah. out of there!" Right? And so maybe his concentration is different than a guy who's trying to get his own, and more of a guy who's just trying to be, you know, part of the uh, the team and not not screw up kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and I think to
0: exit this game, we'll loop back around maybe to what Toronto City has on hand but I think it is important, uh, you know, being in the GTA. Uh, Canadian podcast and we've already talked about it a couple of points through this through this episode is of course uh, last night with Kyle Lauren breaking yeah. the mm-hmm. rookie scoring record and hopefully sort of signaling or, or being maybe a launching point for things to come uh, for Canadians and MLS and and development youth development in, in Ontario and Canada actually being able to create at least at the MLS level
1: yeah, um, yeah. a
0: solid caliber player yeah well
1: i was doing it's interesting you mentioned that because the usl just finished their regular season and to get head start on it i was doing the statistics and gathering information from the, the season that just passed and unfortunately you know the canadian teams didn't have strong seasons you know a couple players a cello with toronto uh bastos with and and clark with uh, vancouver looked good and a couple of the uh, montreal players looked okay but I was also amazed how many Canadians are sort of sp- spurred around the other these American USL teams, you know. Um, uh, Frano. Frano, yeah, that, that was the guy I was going to mention. And now he's called up to Canada. He got called to U23. Uh, there's a horrible name. Uh, Pratcher or Preacher with uh, Pittsburgh, who's a, a, you know, a wing-back type of player yeah. who does really well with them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think the, the question always becomes, you know, Partly, I do agree, if you build it, they will come. And it's great to see so many more players playing professionally, players playing at a higher level and stuff like that. But you also have to, you know, it's funny because we did a podcast on on, um, on um, the black hole. And, and one of the questions was asked me saying, pick the time you want to be in charge of Canadian soccer and what can you do with it? And the, at the time I picked, as I said, it's not a time in history. It's not 84, 86. It's now. Yeah. <laughs> right, and it's taking advantage and allowing these players to develop and, and turn into something good, and so you, you know, you're 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 actually doing something with it. Because I would hate five, ten years from now saying, "Oh, look at all these players we had in the pipeline; they never really got an opportunity to become something."
0: Yeah, and I'm kind of just thinking now, Aaron, not to really put you on the spot, but I mean, one of your strengths and some of the things you do is, is projections, yeah. uh, player projections, and I'm wondering your thoughts on the season of Kyle Aaron and, and sort of like what you, you know, your your relationship with scouts and agents and stuff yeah. like that, like how you frame him and what your thoughts about his, you know, potential and where he could go.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question. I think, <laughs> ironically I think I was the first one to write about Kyle Aaron because it was in a college preview article when he went to Connecticut a couple years ago. And you know, the issues regarding to him was he wasn't aggressive enough and he wasn't doing the killer, you know, like dominating based on his athleticism and all those other things. Ironically, um, with um, that's benefited him with Orlando because he's not he's, he's, he's a part of the team, and it's certainly Kaka's team. But what he's done is he's created the final option for Kaka to score the goals and stuff like that. We've always saw him as a potential bigger European player or certainly a dominant scorer in MLS, and I think this season sort of reflects his capabilities. Yeah,
0: and I, you know, what I would add is, if I'm not mistaken, I read an article, if it was an MLS soccer or an Orlando one, where his teammates were saying like he doesn't, he doesn't know how fast he is. Yeah, like he, yeah. Doesn't, realize, yeah. Yeah. he was,
1: doesn't realize. Yeah, and then he doesn't realize his yeah.
0: how good he is. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. and which that, is interesting, which is kind yeah. of uh, you sometimes like to hear that, right? That oh, sure, definitely, and again, I think that you know, like one of the problems a lot of the young american players have now one of the problems two of the things that the, the, these american prospects are having is number one they're not athletically as gifted as they think they are right so they're dominating a u14 u16 but once they play against adults they're getting run over and stuff like that because they don't have the ability that giovinko does but there's a certain arrogance you know if you look at and arguably you could say the thing don't want to be too critical but you could say jordan hamilton even with toronto like there's a lot of these guys who are you know told you're going to be great, you're going to be amazing, you're going to be everything, and then by the time they get to a pro level, they don't you know they're cocky. There's no right? work left for them. Yeah, and, and so I again I think the fact is is that you know I would I would imagine that everything written and said about Lauren is his ability to work with um, Orlando, and I think he probably feels like he probably feels the number nine position is not his. Like I think he feels he has to battle against Rochez and the other strikers at, at Orlando to prove his spot. So. You know i think he's a guy who hopefully will develop you know stay healthy and develop well and i do think he'll become on the map of terms of um you know scouts and, and people looking at him elsewhere yeah
0: and i would be i would be surprised i mean we've mentioned it before that you know we've obviously talked with sigma in the past and have sort of caveats of their philosophy yeah. and in two parts of their philosophy I, i've heard them describe is that um you know any player can sign their first contract yeah. talk to me when you sign your second but i know that they've also had one where it's like don't let certain moments in time define you yeah. a lot of players yeah. get caught
1: up in those moments and then they're never heard from again well the crazy thing is, is and again it's it's not necessarily relative but leagues comparable to the mls like say league one or league or the championship in england where a player will come, will burst onto the map and and succeed like Lauren does, they end up becoming 12, $10 million players, you know, purchased by Premier League teams and stuff like that. So, you know, arguably, you know, I would think the MLS would almost, you know, he's certainly a multi-million dollar talent, which is, you know, amazing, right? Because that puts him in the top top echelon of players in the world. Yeah.
0: And I think the other positive for him that I don't know if other
1: Although, the interesting thing is I think MLS did their top 24 of 24 whatever. Top yeah. 24 or 24, and he was like 11th or
0: 24. Oh, yeah. I know uh, I know a local, uh, local <laughs> quote, pundit didn't even vote for him. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, oh. yeah. Didn't even vote for him. And he was like, yeah, well, fine, whatever. Not that surprising, to be honest. But uh, okay. I think we'll leave it, Leave it. sort of work our way out of that, uh, Aaron. Uh, we got, obviously got Philadelphia next weekend. Yeah. That team was also not...
1: Yeah, and they're a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless team. they bring in Casey Keller in the last 20 minutes and hope to score.
0: Casey, Connor <laughs> Casey? Connor Casey. Yeah. yeah. Casey yeah. Connor, Connor yeah. Casey. They'll bring we, him we on the
1: last 20 and will try to score a goal. It's, it's the funniest team. He Phil- did last time. No, that's what Philadelphia does all the time. They try for the first 60 minutes and then they give up and they put him on and then they and then try he, to score a goal through...
0: Garbage process. goal. Yeah. <laughs> his big head, his big melon. Yeah. Gets on it. <laughs> And we all sit there and be like, what was it, one game? One game for
1: us, you piece of shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) The (laughs) other guy, the other guy funny, because I think I went to a Philadelphia game at at Thing, but the other guy who's funny is, um, there's a guy on uh, Philadelphia named Abu Muku. He's a Cameroon guy. Zero football skills ever, but he is like, he's the best athlete you'll ever see in your little African player. He's a great athlete, but no football skills. And if you ever want to see a guy like, crazy man running around the kitchen, you know, I don't know what the terminology is. Yes. He's the greatest. He's the greatest because, wow. and again, you know, we didn't really get a oh, we'll see to see him talk. next week. I think so, yeah, because okay. Philadelphia's trying to adapt him. And, and, you know, we didn't really get a chance to talk to this in the podcast, but that's this this notion of MLS players being, you know, a, um, um, uh, what's the word? Complete players. And, and, you know, where you get, you can have these guys who are just, you know 90 you know in the rating system 90 speed 90 agility 90 effort and two (laughs) shooting passing or anything else so i know he's a fun guy to watch he's a fun guy to watch so that'd be one thing to look for
0: (laughs) okay aaron i think i think we'll we'll leave it at that getting a good point uh obviously you've been on the pod many times and people hopefully know that they can get you at prospect 11. yeah uh, and, and you've obviously mentioned that the USL season's come to a close.
1: Yeah, we're doing the uh, the first thing we're going to do with Kamal and I, just because recently we've done um, a special on Ontario youth soccer, and we've done some more serious topics. So we're going to have a fun topic It's the next topic, and basically it's our picking the top 100 prospects in the world, period. And we're going to have a little draft picking the players that we like, and so it's just going to be fun. Uh, but after that, we want to do a review of the USL, um, the Canadian College Championship has actually been taking place in Toronto this year. Oh, cool, okay. In November, so we're hopefully going to that, and then we're going to hopefully do final assessments of the NASL and, and MLS by the end of the year, so it looks exciting. Wow, soft. lots of stuff, eh? Yeah. yeah. That's exciting. Okay, and
0: people obviously know, then get me at ClarkRNO,
1: uh,
0: info or have your say at RedNationOnline.ca. Uh, ping us any questions, any uh, you know agreements, disagreements, any of the stuff that we talked at about through the podcast. Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We've had lots of style conversations uh, that have sort of been based off those. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, thanks again for listening. Next weekend's Philadelphia, and we'll catch you then. Thanks. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your Say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agreed, disagreed, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, the Footy Roundup, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.